But the Ides of March are looming. That's exactly right. The madness has already started. Oh, is that our first madness <laughs> reference? That's just saying. <laughs> if you're keeping tabs, <laughs> we're starting early. <laughs> It's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Coming at you every week to talk all the things that make us love sports. The games, the rivalries, and of course, the personalities. We are stoked that you are listening. Uh, we believe that you're more than listeners. Uh, to quote Brian Kelly, you're family. And we're glad that you're listening to us. Absolutely. So a long time ago, I heard that you should never give up until the final buzzer sounds. And this past week, Darren, in college basketball, both on the men's side and the women's side, we saw confirmation of that age-old adage, don't give up until the game is officially over. Absolutely. A couple of buzzer beaters, maybe you have seen them as well. In the Arizona State-Arizona game, Desmond Cambridge Jr. hit a 60-foot shot to shock the Arizona Wildcats in a huge upset. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch clips of it, YouTube, ESPN, wherever you get your college sports. But Darren, it's one of those phenomenal things where as a coach, you, you tell your players, all right, don't foul them. Don't foul them, but don't, don't give them a wide open shot. So you see the Arizona guys that got kind of have their hands raised. And right. No one's going to make a 60-foot shot. And <laughs> so, Coach, I seriously thought I had a good enough defense to avoid the 60-footer. <laughs> <laughs> but the Ides of March are looming. That's exactly right. The madness has already started. Oh, is that our first madness <laughs> reference? That's just saying. <laughs> If you're keeping tabs, <laughs> we're starting early. <laughs> the madness counter has begun. Yes. But let's not let's not forget the women. Because women's college basketball had an incredible buzzer beater as well. In a thrilling game between Iowa and Indiana, when it looked like Indiana had sealed the game, a late foul mm -hmm. call on Iowa. Indiana player goes to the free throw line. Okay, it looks like it's over. We're dealing with, what, 1.6 seconds? Well, don't count out Caitlin Clark from Iowa. She's been doing this her, her entire career. She just knows how to win. And a buzzer beater to upset the second-ranked Hoosiers in front of a packed arena. It was just a wonderful weekend for college basketball. And I feel like, Darren, we got just a little, little taste of what's coming with the tournaments in the men's and the women's divisions. I agree completely. And you were talking about this game and a couple of other games that it's really impressive to see what the crowds are looking like, that there really is this build that you could see. Uh, and, and tell me if you agree with this statement or not, but I feel like this year more so, even though we've seen a steady build on the women's side of, of NCAA basketball, it seems to have even more momentum this year. W would you agree with that statement? The sport is continuing to grow, and mm -hmm. I think people are seeing how good the competition is, how exciting exactly. the games are, and they're exactly. responding to that, which is wonderful in breaking yep. down this gender gap. And, you know, we still struggle with, uh, even with Title IX, we still struggle with some inequalities between men's sports and women's sports. Mm -hmm. So it's great to see women's college basketball getting its due. When you go down to another packed arena Sunday afternoon, LSU hosted Mississippi State. 
and the women set another attendance record for for that arena for the PMAC. That's an attendance record for any basketball game, women uh, or men, and they they just set another record. So, and, and I was about to say, you're saying set another record. That's the second time this season, correct? Yes, that's yes. Ama- that's incredible. That's incredible. So, kudos to to the women's game. Kudos to people finally noticing how good women's basketball is. Absolutely. I can't wait for these conference tournaments for the women and for the men. And yep. I can't wait for the, the, the big dance on both sides. It's, it's just going to be a thrilling, you know, what do we got? Six, eight weeks, we two weeks from selection Sunday. It's almost here. And it just, it just seems to heat up this time of year. And I love yep. it. Now is the women's selection Sunday. Is it a week prior? It's a different, it's a different time frame, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's the week prior or week after. Um, Oh, that could be, but it's a definitely a different time frame. Yeah, they do it. They do it at a different time, which yep. which I think makes sense because uh, if you do it the same Sunday, they're going to get overshadowed by the men. Exactly, because unfortunately, that's what that's what the entire uh, conversation would be about if if it was on the same Sunday. Yeah. So you give them an opportunity to kind of have their own, you know, uh, their their own Sunday. Go ahead. I'm not sure if it's a if it's a different week or if it's just a different time. Now that I think about it, I was so excited watching games. I haven't even even taken note of the date for the selection Sunday. Let's see. I am looking right now, and it looks like uh, the 2023 Sunday, March 13th. March, Sunday, March. Wait. Sunday, March 13th. Yes, is that right? Sunday, March 12th. March 12th, yeah. Sunday, March 12th. So is that the same Sunday? Yes. So it so is the, the same Sunday. So it is the same Sunday, but the women's is in the evening and the and the men's is in the afternoon. Yes. Yeah, the women's okay. is at 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. So I'm glad we looked that up because after my faux pas a few weeks ago about the Tennessee-Alabama <laughs> game, that would have been, been two strikes for me. And, and as opposed to some shows, we're going to leave in where we talked about how it was a good idea to have it on different Sundays. We're not going to take that out, and we're not going to go backwards and say, you know, it's a good idea that they have it on the same Sunday. I still stand with our original premise that it should be a different Sunday. But nonetheless, and we're not the decision makers. <laughs> this is why ESPN is not calling. That's There may be something to that. You might be. <laughs> Well, speaking of basketball, college basketball, we do have some sad news to report. Sunday night, longtime Virginia coach Terry Holland passed away. In 2019, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, a a truly horrific disease. Absolutely. And he succumbed to that. He coached Virginia from 1974 to 1990, a record of 326-173, terrific record, put Virginia basketball on the map. He took him to nine NCAA tournaments, two Final Fours, and a 1980 NIT title. He's also known for being the coach who recruited and signed a player by the name of Ralph Sampson. We want to extend our sincerest sympathies to the Holland family and the passing of Terry Holland and want to recognize his contributions to college basketball, not just at Virginia, but also at Davidson. So some sad news uh, to report, unfortunately. And you know, nine tournaments and two two Final Fours. 
Those are incredible accomplishments. I mean, there there are guys who coach their entire career that don't get that many tournaments or that that get no, to no Final Fours. And to have two Final Fours and to have that many tournaments that you took a team to, that's pretty incredible. That's a, that's a really amazing accomplishment. Especially in that time period when you're going to, up against the Notre Dame I mean, the, the North Carolinas and the Dukes yeah, and the absolutely. NC States. Absolutely. And, That's a great you know, point. A, a powerhouse conference and week in and week out. Yep, definitely. We also have some news that we want to, re- want to report from the SEC men's basketball. And, Darren, you were talking about this earlier. Not late breaking news at all, but, but interesting uh, that Kermit Davis, the head basketball coach at Ole Miss, uh, was fired a few days ago and – any any idea? What are you hearing about this, Darren? You know, I think it's just a simple matter of the school was as patient as they could possibly be. You know, he came in uh, and was just he'd had a, a had already had some some very good years at, at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State, there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, had led them uh, on a couple of really nice tournament runs, some upset wins, and he came in with that same kind of fire at Ole Miss had a f- good first couple of years, and then the program kind of fell off, and it just never made it back. And I, and I, it, it would appear that the school had just been as patient as they could for as long as they could and, and decided to make a, a different move. There's been speculation of, of, of who's going to be at the top of the list, but you know we haven't even made it to conference tournaments yet. There are so many coaches that are still actively engaged in their seasons. You know, all coaches are still actively engaged in their seasons with their teams. So I, I think any list right now is just so speculative that it's honestly not even worth listing anybody at, at this point. It'll be there are some obvious names that they've seen come out, but it'll be interested, especially as we get through the conference tournaments and some seasons. Uh, the seasons for a lot of teams end. It'll be interesting to see what names will come out, and we'll keep a watch on that. Certainly, that will not be the only coaching change that we will put on in the next month or two. No, definitely not. We've got more basketball to talk about, including the men's and women's latest AP polls, as well as our bracketology as we get closer to March Madness. But let's stop right now for this week in sports history. February 28, 1959, Boston Celtic Bob Cousy set an NBA record with 28 assists in one game. The Celtics would win the game against the Minneapolis Lakers by a score of 173-139. to Cousy's dynamic approach to ball handling and passing skills earned him nicknames such as Mr. Basketball and the Houdini of the Hardwood. Bob Cousy could also shoot. He was the second player in NBA history to score 15,000 points in his career. Cousy played in seven NBA All-Stars games, is an NBA Hall of Famer, is 94 years old, and still lives in the city of Boston. Oh, thank you. So we've been watching the latest AP polls with men's and women's college basketball, because in watching them, we, we get 
a, a sense of the seeding for the upcoming tournament. So before we mm -hmm. get into our bracketology, which Darren, I know you've got a lot of information to share on the show today, an update on the men's AP poll from the SEC, number two, Alabama. Remember, we're already counting Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. Number Absolutely. nine, Texas. Number 12, Tennessee. Number 23, Kentucky, which, it, as you pointed out before the show, a week or so ago, they were one of the ones out of the tournament. Out of the tournament and out of the top 25, were they not? Mm hmm. So, yes. pretty incredible run they've been on. And then number 24, uh, Texas A&M rounds out the SEC entrance in the men's most recent AP poll going over to the Big 12 side. Because we took Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12 already, we're going to put Houston into the Big 12 and hopefully yep. make some amends with Big 12 fans. Because <laughs> you've got the number one ranked Houston Cougars in your That's conference. Exactly right. Kansas coming in at number three. Baylor at number seven. Kansas State at number 11. TCU at number 22. Boy, sounds like a pretty tough basketball conference. Goodness gracious, it does. So, but you look at the poll, SEC Big 12 teams are dominating. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, this time two weeks ago, I think you would have honestly said Big 12 was the clear dominant conference. But when you look at the top 25 right now, and you look at uh, the bracketology that we're going to talk about in a little bit, there seems to be a little bit of a balancing. I, I think the SEC has had some teams like we just talked about with Kentucky that were on a little bit of a skid that seems to have kind of turned things around and are playing stronger ball. At, uh, I think it's in our, it's not arguable. Uh, they're playing strong ball at the right time. They're, they're heating back up at the right time. Uh, if you're going to take a dive, it's better in the middle of the, this conference schedule than at the end. Uh, so they seem to be coming back at the right time. And and so it, it seems to have evened out a little bit between the two conferences. And we've talked before, Darren, it's it's about the team that gets hot this time of year. And Absolutely. I think college football is, is finally paying attention to this, expanding into the 12-team playoffs, because they're seeing yep. the validity of this as well. Agree. Agree. I think it's a great point. Agree. Moving over to the women's AP rankings, in the SEC, number one ranked South Carolina – Number four ranked LSU, 12th ranked Texas, who unfortunately lost to Baylor Monday night. Oh, yeah. 16th ranked Oklahoma, and representing the Big 12, number 23 ranked Iowa State. So those are the women's rankings for the SEC Big 12 teams. So as we look at all these rankings, Darren, and let's focus on the men uh, initially here, and we'll get to the women in another episode. Let's talk about bracketology. Who's in from the SEC and Big 12? What are the seedings? What do you see projected right now? Well, you know, the both both conferences, uh, both the SEC and the Big 12, have a number one seed, of course, uh, with but the Big 12, now that we're including Houston in in the Big 12, uh, the the Big 12 has two with Houston and Kansas and Alabama is uh, the number one seed from the SEC. And Lenardi, uh, Joe Lenardi in his bracketology, has Alabama as the overall number one seed of the entire tournament. They are the number one seed of, of the whole bracket, uh, which I'm sure 
Houston and Kansas fans might have a little bit to argue with with that. But I think Alabama is showing a dominance, even with Houston being in, in number one in the poll. I think Alabama is really showing some strength. So I, I think Alabama fans ha- have an argument as well that they're they're where they're supposed to be as as far as Lenardi's opinion goes. In the SEC, other teams that are also in as of right now, and this is all according to Joe Lenardi, is Alabama that we just talked about, A and M, Mississippi State, Kentucky, who I'll come back to in just a moment, uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri, and Auburn. Three things that really jump out to me in that list of of, of teams is, and then of course Texas uh, in the SEC as well, like we talked about. But three things that really jump out at me when you look at those teams is kind of a difference in the trajectory of, of a couple of those teams. Like we just talked about with Kentucky just a couple of weeks ago, not even considered in the tournament, not in the top 25. And, and it was a pretty a pretty quick slide. They went from in the tournament to being one of the last four in that was in a playoff game to being not in at all. And now because of the run they're on, They've worked themselves to a number eight seed, according to Joe Lenardi, which is a pretty incredible run back up the uh, back up the seedings there. So, so an incredible traje- trajectory that they're on, and what they're doing, and how they're winning, and and I would say, kind of the exact opposite of that. It's really hard to figure out what's going on right now with Tennessee and Auburn. Both of those schools are not playing right now the way they were in the middle of the conference schedule. Uh, and there seems to be some things that just seem to go wrong every single time, even in the games they win. They're low score uh, or, or they, they you know, players that have been playing really well go cold and, and have you know, scoreless streaks in games, all of those different things that are going on. So they, you can see them kind of drop in their seedings and, and get into, depending on what day you're looking at Lenardi's bracketology, they're getting into some pretty unfavorable matchups that could cause some trouble uh, if they do end up where they're saying, if they don't have a, a good uh, tournament performance, a SEC tournament performance to, to, to kind of build things back up, it, it could be a tough, tough postseason for both of those teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we probably should apologize to Kentucky fans we should have questioned John Calipari's coaching ability earlier in the season. <laughs> we should have come out of the gates with that one. <laughs> they, they, they might have been a top 10 team by now. I'm telling you, because it sure seemed to work, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the Big 12, of course, we've already talked about Houston, number one seed, Kansas, number one seed, Oklahoma State is one of the last four in, and I should have said in the SEC, Mississippi State is one of the last uh, four in as well. But then you have West Virginia, Kansas State, Iowa State, uh, Baylor, and TCU are the other teams that are uh, in, in in the Big 12. And, and, you know, those are all strong teams. Oklahoma State has struggled a little bit here lately. TCU is still strong. They still have a very fast-paced approach to the game, and, and I think they could still give some teams trouble that aren't used to seeing that. But I think, to an extent, uh, the Big 12 teams that they're playing week in and week out have figured it out just a little bit. And so I think that's created some struggles for them that they weren't having at, at the beginning of the conference schedule. Uh, but I think they're still going to be strong, and I think they still 
um, as long as they get hot, as we've talked about, or at least you know maintain a, a, a an even you know they're moving up, they don't they don't drop out after the first game of the tournament or something like that. That could kill some momentum. As long as they maintain momentum, I think they could be a disruptor in the tournament. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a good spot for them. But outside of that, I mean, your Kansas, your Baylor. Uh, your West Virginia, uh, Houston, they're playing exactly the way you expect them to play, uh, and don't see anything that's going to that that indicates in any way that they're going to play any different. That they're just going to continue to build momentum and and have a what looks like an incredible postseason. Which will start with the conference tournaments. I find those very intriguing, Darren, because you have lower tier teams in a conference that have. They've not had the year they expected to have. Right. And this is their only way to get into the tournament is to win their conference tournament. And so there's always some great battles. Plus, you've got teams that are familiar with each other, playing each other. I think it's just the the perfect precursor to uh, the, the tournament. And, and, you know, the, the thing I like about the conference tournaments is, is with those lower seeds – when those lower seeds come in a day or two days early, depending on which tournament it is and how they're set up, you know, they get the chance to fill out the arena, to shake off some of the nerves, to get used to the crowd and, and kind of build momentum to some of those upsets that blow our minds in, inside the conference tournaments. You've got a team that's played poorly all regular season, but they come in, they get used to the arena. Their shooters get confidence. the the ner- The crowd doesn't really shake them, uh, you know. After a couple of games, and they're playing a team that's coming in and playing their first game and getting used to all of those things, and it makes them for some really incredible ma- matchups. Some exciting, exciting basketball to watch. When you throw in a veteran coach in the mix, yep, absolutely, even more so. The, uh, Saturday, uh, West Virginia took Kansas down to the the final possession. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was a bad uh, final possession for West Virginia. They were down by two, had a chance to tie or to win the game. They didn't execute very well. But you you take a veteran coach like a Bob Huggins, right? Well, you can't ever count his team out. Exactly, exactly. That's a great point. And just like you were talking about with Calipari, I mean, look at the conversations that were happening about Cal- Calipari a couple of weeks ago, and now here they are sitting as an eight seed. Building momentum going to the tournament. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they come out of it as tournament champions uh, with the SEC talking about the conference tournament. That wouldn't surprise me at all, the way they've been playing. And if that happens, give credit where credit's due. The Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast for questioning John Calipari's coaching. So well said. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Maybe we'll pick up some fans in Lexington. Hey, that's right. I I can see that happening. So we have a bracketology that we're going to do again this year. Yes. And we want all of you as our listeners to participate in this, and we'll give more information as we get closer. But, Darren, you want to give a a little preview of what this is going to look like? We're going to do ESPN uh, and do be a part of their bracket challenge just like we were last year or create our own bracket challenge within their system. Some of you uh, or, or those of you that played along with us last year may already be getting emails. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to go ahead and talk about it this week. Even though we don't have ours set up, you may already be getting emails from ESPN saying, hey, we're going to come join the ESPN challenge. That's not from us because we haven't set ours up yet, but we would be doing it here soon. And we will you know, put the link out there. 
We'll put it on our link tree. We'll put it out on Twitter. It'll be at the bottom of the show notes, just like anything else we do. So we'll continue to talk about it. We'll be setting it up here soon and and, and be ready to go uh, and have a great time. It was really, really fun last year. We'll have a great time like we did last year. I can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be Absolutely. it's going to be fun, as you said. Well, let's move on to some football news as we wrap up this episode, and some news out of a, a com- well, a team that's not really affiliated with a football conference. <laughs> it's not out of a conference. <laughs> Walk away, Ben. Walk away. Don't don't jump into that. Don't chase that rabbit. Don't chase that. So. <laughs> Notre Dame's hired a new offensive coordinator. Darren, what do you know about this? Well, they hired someone that was uh, familiar with Marcus Freeman. Uh, They hired uh, Jared, I almost said Gerard. I've said that wrong all day. (laughs) Jared Parker, uh, who was an internal hire. He was the tight ends coach, which he will continue to do. Uh, But he will now be the new Irish offensive coordinator. He and Marcus Freeman are very familiar with one another, spent several years on the Purdue coaching staff together. Um, it's an interesting hire uh, to, to hire someone that, that has not been a coordinator on that level, uh, that is a position coach. But as we've talked about before, when we talk about coordinators' hires, every coordinator at some point was a first-time hire. Uh, so it makes everyone nervous every time something like that is made or a hire like that is made. But to me, when it's a high-profile team, that for me personally, that makes me more nervous. Uh, that that you you have all of these candidates and all these possibilities, and I know there were some some issues that there may be this person or that person seemed to work out. But it's an interesting hire to make an internal hire of a first-time candidate. But he has a long history with him, so maybe there's something he sees there that that could end up working out well for Notre Dame. I know that that's what the Irish faithful hope for, but I don't know. It's an interesting hire, but I mean, good luck to Jared Parker. Cause like we said, you got to be hired first to do something at some point or it wouldn't, it would never happen. There wouldn't be any such thing. So. Yeah. It does bring a lot of trepidation as you, as you pointed out, Notre yep. Dame also has hired a new offensive line coach, uh, who was previously coaching at Virginia Peck, uh, Virginia tech, uh, Joe Rudolph. Yes. And, and he's also, I believe he's been at Wisconsin as well at some point. I mean, he's got a long history of being an offensive line coach. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, by all in, intent, by all indications, that's the word I was looking for that just about didn't show up. By all indications, that's a strong hire for an offensive line coach. Yeah, yeah. We had another exciting weekend in the XFL. As usual, With we talked about this with the USFL last year year there's some games that are really great and there's some games that are duds and we have some right. really good ones uh, st louis battle hawks continue to impress a 20 yes. to 18 victory over the seattle sea dragons and how about the dc defenders taking care of business against the vegas vipers 18 to 6 and i believe they're playing each other this week that's correct and they are both 2 and 0 so you've got a Two teams that are tied for first place in the North Division of the of the XFL that'll be playing for a definitive first place position, uh, and you know with the shortened seasons that they play, I think it's important to grab that and, and have total control of that at any point. You, you know, as soon as you can. So DC and St. Louis will both be playing for that this weekend. 
And then in the Southern Division, San Antonio Brahmas took care of business against the Orlando Guardians, 30 to 12. And mm-hmm. the Houston Re- Re- Rednecks, that, that'd be the Louisiana <laughs> team. The Houston Roughnecks defeated the Arlington Renegades 23 to 14. So I believe this coming Sunday night, San Antonio and Houston play in what should be a, a really good game to watch. I think that will probably be, even though the D.C. St. Louis game will be fun to watch, I think, honestly, the Houston-San Antonio game will probably be the more exciting of the two games. And again, San Antonio and Arlington are tied for second. Uh, so you've got first place, the Houston Roughnecks at 2-0, and going against the second-place team. And they can really uh, maybe create some some distance between uh, themselves and the other teams by going 3-0. and That would really... Uh, even if Arlington wins this weekend, that would really set them up again, just like we were talking about with whoever wins between D.C. and St. Louis as a definitive. I've got I'm in number one. I'm the number one spot and I have control of it. It's great to have football. It is. It is. And oh, one more thing about football we didn't talk about with college. We have had two or three total teams in the two conferences we cover start spring practice or will start spring practice this week. Uh, and that is Kansas from the Big 12, Missouri. Uh, nope, I'm sorry, that's not correct. Auburn, rather, from the SEC, and then also Vanderbilt from the SEC. And some might argue that it's a good thing that Vanderbilt and Auburn got started early because they need the practice, but I'll leave that alone. I think it's a valid point. If someone by chance were to say that, it's a valid point. I can't argue it. (laughs) But anyway, those three teams are starting spring practice this week. So we got a lot of football going on. Mm. Speaking of Tennessee, Darren, you made a recent trip to Tennessee. I did. I did. And you got to visit with some of our listeners, including our tailgate Chef extraordinaire, JT. Absolutely. JT, uh, Jazzy Chef, uh, was, uh, well, let's just be honest. He put on a show Saturday night. I was able to spend some time with him, watch Vanderbilt basketball, and you and I have talked on several occasions about wish we could taste him cooking some of the recipes. And so he wanted to, he was... uh, I was fortunate enough, I guess is the way I should say it, to be able to taste the pork shots, the sausage squares, the family mac and cheese, and uh, the tailgate beans. And I must say, uh, we put it out there on social media, uh, on Twitter, put some pictures out, so be sure and go, go and look at those. It did not disappoint. It was absolute perfection. Uh, some of the best tailgate food I have ever eaten. Uh, and, man, you're talking about enhancing the game. It did. He he absolutely did not disappoint. It was an incredible meal. Um, I finally felt like eating at some point like Sunday evening, like 24 hours later. <laughs> wow. But it was good. It was incredible. It wasn't just good. It was absolutely incredible and enjoy being able to watch uh watch the game with, with, with him and, and, and his crew and, and being able to taste those foods. And it, it was, man, go get those recipes. Anytime you have a chance, you'll be glad you did because they are, they are absolute amazing. Now that you've made us all hungry with your descriptions of what you were <laughs> able to enjoy, probably a good idea to wrap this episode up. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Thank you so much for listening. Remember, new episodes drop every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Listen at your convenience on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And when you listen to a show, would you share it? Would you rate us? Help get the word out about the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. We appreciate you so much. Hope you have a great week. Remember, it's crawfish season, so don't hold back now. Go get your crawfish. And until next week, take care. Have a great week. Thank you for making the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shaver Sports Podcast. See you next week.